0: Welcome to the Micah Micah podcast presented by Legendary Sports Network. I'm Mike here with Micah. We have some news off the top. Micah and I are glad to say that starting next year, January 1st, we're going to be dropping a pod every single day. It's the goal to get content out every single day on the podcast. So it's going to be different. We're going to be doing solo pods sometimes. We'll get more people on the podcast We'll talk UFC, we'll talk WWE. We're trying to get just anything and everything just so that we have something to put down um, every single day for the podcast. I know Mike is definitely excited uh, for that. But Mike, I hope you had, you had a good break. I hope you had a, a fun Christmas and it's been, it's been a fun couple of days off.
1: Well, honestly, at this point, my favorite thing about the holidays is just the culmination of the last, like the NFL season mixed with the NBA season, how things are going on. Like, just the stories, you get to get into the midseason of the NBA, the the playoff race going into the NFL, and now we have college football playoffs. Like, it's it's a great time if you're a fan of uh, basketball and football like I am, my two favorite sports. So I'm locked in right now, man.
0: Yeah, we're we're definitely locked in. We were going to start uh, with NBA and college, uh, college football, but we have to get to A.B. This morning, huh. we're, we wake up. And we see A.B. – I mean, A.B.'s been tweeting for the past two weeks just nonsense. But we see a boom in and we're, it's chatter, chatter starting to start uh, around that A.B.'s in New Orleans. It looks like he has a workout. And Adam Schefter does tweet out that A.B. had a workout with uh, the New Orleans Saints this morning. Uh, nothing has come of it as of this moment that we are recording Friday, Friday night. Mike, I have a couple of questions here for you about A.B. – one, do you think he's going to be signed by the Saints? Two, do you think that he's going to be able to play this year? And three, if, you're not, if he does not play this year, do you think that he's ever going to play again in the NFL? So just knock out those three questions.
1: <laughs> will A.B. be signed by the Saints? Unfortunately, I don't think he will. Um, the risk-reward of Antonio Brown... Being on a team versus him not being on a team—it's—it's it's huge. Um, this is a guy who he sac- he sabotaged his at least his season. I won't say his career because the NFL—you you know how it goes. You you could kill somebody in the NFL. and <laughs> You could get a job. Hey, that's not even a joke. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not a joke. It's not satire or nothing like that. Um, Antonio Brown—he sacrificed his multi-million-dollar deal with the Raiders. Um, he even had a chance with the Patriots, but at that point, he feel like he was deep in the uh, deep in the black hole, to metaphorically say, um, you know. And he, he's, I feel like he's reckoning with that, and I feel like you know, he's kind of understanding where he is at this point. But the guy we've got since then is kind of like this. Is, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of talked about some satire, but like it's kind of like the satirical side of AB. Like we're seeing the no white women 2020, and him, I guess, kind of joking this off. But at the end of the day. This is a guy who wants to play football, and unfortunately, because the NFL, I don't believe they're done with their due process, and I don't think they have done with their investigation. Um, he will not be seeing the NFL the field, uh, this season at least. Um, and in saying that, will A B be? You know, I, I kind of want to talk about like, let's say hypothetically, somehow, some way, Antonio Brown sees the field, especially with the Saints, it will be a game changer. It was supposed to be a game changer for the Patriots. It was supposed to be a game changer for the Raiders any like any team you insert a B on they get so much better because even while he's out he's there's a void missing in the NFL like receiver like standings and it's supposed to be a B he's top five in the league or not um of course the Saints get astronomically better uh Michael Thomas is having the greatest receiving season at least catching wise um you know receptions uh at, at least that's that stat goes in NFL history uh if you add a B to that they become the Super Bowl favorites like uh, Super. um the team from the NFC to represent, yeah, the represent in the Super Bowl. Um. Will AB play in the future? Probably so. Um, I think he'll have, I think he'll get like a proven deal maybe next year and he'll be reinserted and reintegrated back into the NFL process. He'll definitely start playing football again. But this year, I just don't see it happening. He He's such a media liability. And I don't know if he's this was his plan, but, you know, we're here now. We're kind of... Reckoning with this, and so is he.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you on a couple points there. With AB being signed this season by the Saints, I don't believe that's the case. I truly believe the Saints just wanted to get a head start on every other team in the offseason to have AB in the building. Almost like a Ruben Foster situation with the uh, Redskins, where mm-hmm. they claimed him off of waivers, and obviously the backlash was crazy, but they talked to him, they talked to his representatives, and they were like, well, Look, we don't believe that he did um, what he was accused of, and obviously. The case was dropped and he did not get to spend it and he was able to play. Unfortunately, he had his ACL injury, so he wasn't able to play um, at all this year. But I think it's another situation like that. Not saying that A.B. is innocent by any means, but they're going to be able to sign him, get the backlash. And if he's innocent, you now have, like you said, a top five receiver who, when he's able to be on and on the field, he changes the offense. And Drew Brees, he's getting older. That's that's just the name of the game. He's getting older doesn't look like it the way that he's throwing all these touchdowns and breaking records left and right. But he Mm -hmm. has to have help around him. And after Michael Thomas, who do they really have? Like, who is that person that they're able to go to? And if you're you're able to have Michael Thomas, I mean, Michael Thomas becomes your number two the minute A.B. touches the field. So if you have A.B. and now Michael Thomas on the same team with Kamara in the backfield, I believe you just extended Drew Brees' career by an extra three years. Just because he's he's not forcing it. He's able to get the ball out quick. He can go deep to Antonio Brown. This is going to be a playoff team, and he's going to, keep on, and he's going to want to keep playing. So I definitely do think they're trying to get ahead of, um, ahead of the NFL with that. I don't think this is for uh, a recent move or a this-year move or a playoff run move. I do believe he will be signed by the Saints, uh, whether it's this week or next week or before the season ends. I believe he will be signed by the Saints. And if he is uh, proven innocent with his case, he'll be on the team. Honestly, I think it's kind of revisionist history with the Patriots. Antonio Brown was actually good with the Patriots. There was nothing coming out from the Patriots and Antonio Brown. looked like everything was working. We saw the Dolphins game, and then it dropped the lawsuit that um, there was potential sexual abuse and stuff like that, and the Patriots could not keep him. But when he was on the Patriots after the whole debacle with the Raiders fell out, he was very effective, and we didn't hear much from him. There was no helmet situation. He played in a game, and he was able to do that. You put him in another great organization like the Saints, I do believe that he's going to be able to produce at that level and be able to stay on, on the field. Um, I think all of this backlash is just for him being bored and having nothing to do during the season. That, that's why he's making the music videos and tweeting crazy and all of that. When he gets into a great situation like the Saints, I think all of that stops again, and you have uh, – if they have A-B next year, just saying, to my favorite, to not only make it out of the NFC but win the Super Bowl, just because I think they're that uh, good of a team already, and adding a top five receiver would definitely, um, would definitely help with this situation. But AB situation is always, it's always going to be ongoing. There's always <laughs> going to be something, something new with that. So we'll move on from him. What we wanted to start with originally was NBA. We all know that the unofficial start of the NBA season is Christmas Day. So Micah. I just want you to go through the slate and just break down game for game. You don't have to touch on the Pelicans I guess because there really wasn't anything <laughs> there, but the other, uh, the other four games, whichever way you want to start, just break down those games for me, what you saw from them and what you expect going through the rest of the NBA season.
1: Yeah, man. So uh, I'll break them down as they uh, appeared on TV. So I'll start with the, <clears throat> the first game of the day on Christmas, the Celtics versus the Raptors. Um, watching this game, it kind of made me interested in the progression of the Celtics without Kyrie Irving. Um, Personally, just because of a lot of things, I haven't really been able to key on what the Celtics have been doing. I watched a uh, couple of prior time games they had on TNT and ESPN, but I haven't really like really sat down, looked at my TV and be like, all right, what are they putting out? And honestly, I'm loving what they're putting out on the floor. Um, This team, I feel like they run way better with Kemba Walker than they do Kyrie Irving. Um, for whatever reason that is, I guess I'll you know personally find out a little bit more as the season goes on, but I feel like without Kyrie, they have to get well. And what they're doing is they're getting more guys involved. You see Jalen Brown putting up thirty points and being the de facto player of the game, which is amazing. You see a guy like Jason Tatum, although he had eleven points, he filled up the stat sheet. He got nine rebounds and six assists. You see guys like Gordon Hayward who. Yes, he's not going to have those all-star numbers like he did at the Utah Jazz, but he's playing a pivotal role getting 14 points a game. Um, from what I see, I like how this team operates more so because that clear superstar is not there. They're all. Either they're all battling to be that superstar or they're all great star players and great players complementing each other with a great coach like Brad Stevens. I think this is the team that the Celtics have been trying to put out all along, um, even since the IT days. Um, this is the team that I feel like is probably the most balanced out of the teams they've been fielding for the last maybe three or four years, and honestly, this if we're gonna start like the second half of the season with a win like that against the uh, defending champions, and albeit they were missing guy, they were missing Pascal Siakam, who you know those 16 points were unaccounted for. That's because Pascal Siakam's 25 wasn't accounted for during the game, but still, that's a key win at um at this juncture of the season, and it just really looks good for the Celtics. So I'm expecting them. You know, I'm expecting them to be uh top five in the East. They're gonna get a top five seed without a doubt. And, you know, it's just it, it's really good to see from you from the because I kinda been critical on them and I've kinda like bashed on them because I felt like they've always been the de facto favorites and they just haven't really got it done. So to see this for me was good. Um moving on to the Bucks and the Seventy Sixers, this is probably my well, I can't I can never say that it was my favorite game to watch when LeBron is playing basketball, but this is probably the most interesting game for me to watch just because of what the 76ers were able to do to the Bucks. Um, First of all, yes, if you watch the game, you all know Giannis didn't have his best night. Um, he didn't make a, a three pointer. And in, I guess, kind of saying that, maybe the Bucks offense, like, if he had made two three pointers, then it's a different game. But I feel like the Bucks offense didn't necessarily run through Giannis as they usually should. Now the Sixers were doing some excellent things on defense, and I kind of from this game, I'm kind of seeing some trends that you know. Of course, the Bucks are beatable. They got beat last year. They haven't made that finals yet. But even going into the postseason this year, I think teams should look back to this Christmas Day game. Now, mind you, it's Christmas. We're not going. I'm not going to make a generalization saying, "Oh, the Bucks will be beaten and they won't make the finals." They have the best player in the league, in my opinion, right now. Um, but in saying that, there's a lot of things you can pull from this game. First of all, if the Bucs are not making threes, it's a problem. If Giannis is not the best player on the court that day, of course, it is a problem. But they don't have the guys to pick up the slack right now. It's just, I mean, yes, on paper, they might have the guys. But outside of Chris Middleton and really George Hill, the offensive output was just not there. Um, I don't want Brooke Lopez being my fourth leading scorer. And I don't want George Hill being my third leading scorer. Um, you know, and, and that's just on them to be more uh, consistent. And, you know, it is just one game. And I did say it was a Christmas Day game. And they will get it right down the season. And they'll probably make some moves to show up their bench a little bit more. But, like I said, there's some trends going on. If I'm a team later in the season or the postseason, if I'm the 76 ers I'm keying on this game. I have it highlighted. I'm, I'm scouting this game big time. Because what you did worked. The things they did on defense and how they attacked them on offense it worked um it also helped that John B was absolute absolute animal uh there. Yep. he looked like the best center in the league which is big time i think Shaq and Ken, uh, i think should be. i think Shaq and um Chuck finally you know lit the fire under him because ever since those comments and everybody's been saying it but he's just been a man amongst boys um and then i guess really just talking about the 76ers i don't want to leave them out they looked really really good they looked really really good i love you know and the way this team is constructed I kind of you kind of expect this from them. I didn't expect them to be as potent as they were on offense, but like I said when you have Joel Embiid being the best center in the league and he's saying like he's playing, that happens when you you got a guy getting 31 points and 11 rebounds in 28 minutes, that should happen. Um but I like the outputs from Tobias Harris. I like the fact that Josh Richardson was getting his buckets. I I just like that the depth I'm seeing from the 76ers is working and they're learning how to play as a team and as a unit. And I expect them, once again, just like I said, for the Celtics to be at the top five seed and make a run for the finals. The East is wide open. Um, but like I said, just watch for this game. Uh, people won't talk about it going forward, but it's good to see that the Bucks and the reigning MVP, you know, they have chinks in their armor. They can't be beaten. Um, moving on to probably the most surprising game, in my opinion, the Warriors versus the Rockets. <sighs> well... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't
1: even know what he said that one. Yeah, bro. And what I'm more mad about is maybe so the fallout of what's happened from this game because there was talks maybe yesterday, late last night, and today, uh, Russell Westbrook trade rumors to the Knicks. Okay, listen, listen, listen. listen please, listen. please address that. What do you get, first of all? What do you get value wise out of trading Russell Westbrook right now? They were talking about. Uh, in a a hypothetical situation, I don't remember the exact thing, but basically Russell Westbrook would be swapped for R.J. Barrett in the scheme of things. If you're the Rockets, why would you want R.J. Barrett at this point in his career, at any point in his career? What would you get, what, what upside would you get out of him that you won't already get from Westbrook? He wouldn't, I don't think he would pair with James Harden I barely think Russell Westbrook players with James Harden pretty well. So the fact that they're making that happen, and of course they're best friends as they say, so they're gonna make it happen. But even so saying that, what what does either side win out of that? Like, we're talking about pointless trades. This is probably the most pointless big name trade of this decade. Like, if they make if they do this, I don't there's no winners. The Rockets don't get a championship. The Knicks sure as hell don't get a championship. They get Russ doing what he was in the Thunder. Like, no, I don't really see a winner in this. And in saying that, I don't really see a winner on either side right now. I don't think the Rockets are built for this thing. I saw on Twitter that somebody called the Rockets the worst good team in the EBA this decade. And I have to agree. Whatever iteration of the Rockets we saw this decade, they have folded on levels I've never seen. Since and really, I mean, since they've been coming with the James Harden experiment, and I'll call it an experiment, just cause if we want to count winning and you know, yes, he's won the MVPs, but I mean dog, what have they won? The fact that on Christmas Day <clears throat> on Christmas Day, they're getting beat by the by the Warriors without Steph and Clay. Without Steph and Clay, without Katie <sighs> It just makes me mad. It, 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 If you're the Rockets right now, you're supposed to win that game decisively. And you're supposed to handle your business. And the fact you got D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green putting up 40... And excuse me. Damian and Lee putting up 60 combined points. And Glenn, uh, it's Glenn Robinson putting up almost 80 combined points on you. There's clear problems. Maybe they do need to make a trade, but it's not Russell Westbrook. They need to go ahead and play some defense, they need to show up some things, they need to play with heart. Because right now, it doesn't look like they're going to win at all. Um, And it's not really much to talk about on the Warriors side of things. They're rebuilding. This is a great chemistry win, and this is a great, like, character win for them. So uh, they can still play good basketball and when it's needed. And for the Warriors, I mean, I guess we'll talk about them more when the time comes. But, dog, they're retooling. And it's a little scary that they get in the Mulligan year, and they're going to end up with a top-ten pick. Yep. Everybody's going to be healthy, back next but, year, yep. Oh, yeah, but, you know, we'll get to the and I probably going to end up changing D'Angelo and Russell, too, and flipping that for another first. But, you know, we'll we'll talk about that another time. Um, and then moving on, because I, I really don't want to talk about to the Pelicans and Nuggets. So we saw what happened. The Nuggets is just, I don't know, they lost their luster, but forget them. Let's talk about the Clippers and the Lakers, the Battle of L.A. in the most unimportant time, the most important and unimportant time of the season. I mean, I mean, the Battle of L.A. I mean, this is the second time that the Lakers have lost to the Clippers on this prime time. We're expecting Bron to do LeBron things and make a statement because, you know, that's kind of what we want, the fans and the media. um, A little bit iffy into the game with Patrick Beverly, kind of strapping LeBron on that last play. Um, The tip, did it – should it be on Pat Bev um, going off because he, you know, he forced it out with the block or should it be all Bron because, you know, they kind of did roll it off. And, you know, if – I don't really want to get mad at the rest calling it right. Um, there was some, there was some uh mad fans. I, I was talking to some on like in group chats and on like Twitter and stuff like that. That they wanted to see that call go the other way. But dog, when you get it right, you get it right. But besides the point, um, <clears throat> the Clippers, man, their team defense is amazing. Um, and the fact that they have Kawhi Leonard just makes their team defense. Their team defense was outstanding last year. Um I mean, they field, they're basically fielding the same team with two of the best wing defenders in the league so I expect the uh, team defense to be great Um and of course you're going to always get a highly competitive game when you have like five stars on the court at the same time but you know we kind of talked about this the other day Um, the last podcast when we talked about the Lakers bro the Lakers man they, what depth do they have Yes, we we finally saw that production from Kyle Kuzma, 25 points. That's what we need. But, I mean, shoot, my boy Alex Caruso lay the egg, of course. But, you know, you you can't really expect great output from him. But I guess the point I'm trying to make is, outside of AD, Braun, and Kyle Kuzma, what's really going on? And, you know, KCP had his little buckets here and there, but come on now. But what's really going on? And the fact that they were still in the game just – Yes, it, it kind of, I feel, I want to say it kind of proved my point that like the Lakers, I feel like are always going to be like have the edge on the Clippers regardless of what team they feel. Just because at the end of the day, AD and Bron, I just don't, that, that combination, the, the wing and the big has always just been, it's just alluring to me at least. It's like NBA history. Um, I think the Clippers, for, for what it's worth, the Clippers might end up with a, better regular season record at this point um I see the Lakers probably dropping a few more games especially if they make a trade which I, I probably do expect them to do or sign some guys they're gonna have to get the chemistry back up I want to see this I want to see this <laughs> in the playoffs because I don't want to talk about it too early I just want to see this in the playoffs I want to see what happens I want to see this season play out and I want to see them meet when it matters because that's we're going to get the best out of both guys um but I don't wanna I don't wanna go without mentioning the man, the claw himself. He he is a reason why he was the Finals MVP and there's a reason why he single handedly got the Raptors to that championship pretty much last year. Um Hey man, I mean, look, I like you said, it, it's kind of the unofficial like start. We gotta like, you know, get the train rolling things for the NBA season. And from what I seen, there's some clear, like there's some things going on. It's making it a lot more interesting. So I'm I'm definitely tuned in the rest of the season, bro.
0: Yeah, um, I'll I'll start with the Celtics-Raptors. With the the Celtics-Raptors, I couldn't really take this game seriously because, obviously, no Siakam. But I was looking more on the Celtics side. Without Kyrie, this team is obviously a lot better, not to mention the Brooklyn Nets. With Kyrie versus without Kyrie, have a better record without Kyrie, but that's a conversation (laughs) for another day. The Boston Celtics look like they're having fun again like a couple of years ago before Kyrie with that, that IT team um, mm-hmm. where they went to the Easter Conference Finals and then everything flipped once they got Kyrie and the media came and all the quotes, I'm coming back, no, I'm leaving, no, I'm mad, no. all of that stuff. It just seemed to, seemed to derail what this Celtics team wanted to do. And that was just play ball. That's all mm-hmm. these guys want to do. Jason Tatum, he's taking a step this year. Jalen Brown has taken a step this year. Kemba Walker has fit into the system perfectly. Gordon Hayward being able to come back from his second year after the horrific injury, he was balling and then he uh, fractured his hand, but he's back and he's getting back into the groove. Each and every piece is fitting in perfectly for this team. It seems like the team that we saw a couple of years ago where Brad Stevens didn't have a definitive star. Yes. IT was that guy that would take over in the fourth quarter, but he wasn't like a, a star star that, you know, always every single time down the court, he, He's your go-to player. It was only his second year being in that top role. And we see it this year. Jason Tatum, he can get a couple of buckets here and there. He can, he can close out a game. Jalen Brown can close out the game. Oh, you can get Hayward to close out the game. Mark Marcus smart. It goes down the list. You have so many different options. And I think the Celtics, they're a very, very dangerous team because of that. I think they, since they don't rely on one player, which they did a lot last year with Kyrie, that anybody, any game in a playoff series can be able to go off. And that's going to help them down the line because if Jalen Brown is having a bad game, Tatum will be like, you know what? I got your back. I got you tonight. I'll take over. And that's going to be able to help the Celtics moving forward. I do think they are um, a very, very dangerous team. I think they'll they'll be able to to make a run in the Easter Conference right now. I would have it. Ooh, it's tough. Probably, I, Bucks are definitely in the Easter Conference finals for me. It would be between the Sixers and the Celtics. I, I think I'm going to go with the Celtics. Um, for right now, but I just love the way that, that they are playing. And then moving on to the Bucks and the Sixers. Uh, with this game, I, we almost kind of saw this coming, not that we saw a blowout coming, but the Bucks were running on a real high, and then you have the Lakers game where Giannis takes the crown and everything, and it just seemed like everything was going so good, and they probably weren't as focused as they were coming in. They weren't hitting shots, and that happens in a game. It just so happened that this happened on Christmas Day when <laughs> literally almost everybody's sitting on their couch watching, excited to watch um, some, good, some good basketball. So, obviously, the storylines are going to come out, or the Bucks real, the Sixers finally found out how to stop Giannis, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's the case. I think that his shot wasn't falling, so he had to drive more, and him driving more meant that the defense was able to collapse because they didn't, they didn't believe he was going to be able to hit a shot. He showed that he could. Uh, early on in the game when that turned Embiid and Simmons to be able to play off the ball from him. And he was, and he wasn't able to produce. Um, the Bucks are still a great team. They don't have Bledsoe. And like you talked about that scoring drop situation, when they do have Bledsoe, these scoring droughts, I don't think they're going to be able to happen because Bledsoe does have an ability to get to the basket and get to um, the free throw line. So I think he's going to be able to change that. Um, change that once he's able to come back. Like you said, George Hill and Brooke Lopez can't be can't be your 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 top scorers if you want to really be a serious NBA Finals team or NBA championship type of team. The Sixers, on the other hand, I, I do believe that they they are a really good team. I, I'm between them and the Celtics on who who will go to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks. Um, I mean, at this point, Embiid is showing why he said he wants to be Defensive Player of the Year after the game. He showed why he, he is right now the defensive player of the year. Just changing shots. Um, his ability on offense, his touch around the rim has gotten better and better. It looks like him uh, taking the summer off and losing weight and stuff and eating better and getting his body right is starting to pay off. We, we have to see it for 482 to see if it really pays off because that's what he had to had to work on last year. He wasn't able to go into the playoffs and to um, had to play 482 games and be able to help his team out there. So, Resting, making sure he's staying on his uh, on his diet in keeping his cardio up is going to be huge for them. But I, I just can't trust this team until Simmons is able to get a shot. Tonight, we watched the 76ers against the Magic. The Magic won that game. Markel Fultz, who couldn't shoot two years ago, was two for four from three, five for 10 from the field with 13 points. Ben Simmons, is he has, what, three threes on the season? Like, he's not... If the team is not going to be able to have the spacing that they really like they really would like excel with imagine if you had to respect Simmons from um, a three-point line or shooting from a mid-range game that helps Tobias out that helps Josh Richardson out that helps Embiid out that helps that helps everybody on the team everything is so clogged up with Horford and Embiid down low and then Simmons also coming in down low and then you switch it and you put Embiid on the three-point line a big Embiid is a big man yeah, he, yeah. Can shoot a, he can shoot a three, but he should not. He should not be shooting the three. He should be to the four and five. Yeah, he should be bodying people and getting those easy buckets, getting to the free throw line and making his foul shots. So until Simmons can really get a jump shot, I I can't I can't put them there at that next level. I I don't know. It's just it's just very very weird on how how this team is constructed, and I think that they're not. They don't need a trade or anything by any means, but. If there was a situation where you're able to get a star for Ben Simmons, I would be interested in trading him because I don't think he's worth um, his contract extension. Um, You said you talked about the Warriors and Rockets. Warriors, they're pulling the spurs with uh, Tim Duncan type of deal. David Robinson, he was hurt, in quotation marks, uh, set out the air, and then they were able to get Tim Duncan and continue their run for another 15, 20 years. The Warriors. Seth Curry, a broken hand. I've never heard of a broken – I mean, Gordon Hayward had a fractured hand and he's already back. Never heard of a broken hand taking somebody over three and a half months. Um, I don't know if he's even going to play again this season. He's just chilling on the bench and enjoying, enjoying the season off. Obviously, play with the ACL. You don't want to rush anything, I understand that. But they're going to get a top pick. Like you said, trade D'Angelo Russell, get another first-round pick from that, retool, and then the players that they have now – all those players are going to the bench, but they have starters' minutes under their belt. So when they're going up against second units, they will be able to dominate next year. And the Warriors mm-hmm. will be back. The Rockets—I mean, I've been saying this for year, years. I don't believe in them. They're frauds. They're not going to make it to the finals. They're not winning the NBA championship. Same old, same old. You trade for Chris Paul, yeah? What happens there? You have Russell Westbrook, yeah? What happens there? It's the same old, same old. <sighs> I mean, I'm just tired of the same conversation, but getting tired of the Rockets and what, what exactly they're going to do. Like you said, for a winning team, they've been they've been pretty bad um, when it comes to, when you look at championships and just trying to get to that to that next level. I do want to spend some time on the Lakers and Clippers. I just think everybody's overreacting. Um, I don't know about the Braun groin injury, where he said that he reaggravated it, but Braun wasn't himself. You j- you could just tell. He was Mm -hmm. very passive. He wasn't really looking to drive in the lane. Maybe he didn't want to hyperextend anything. Um, It wasn't until the last shot where he tried to pull up, wasn't able to over Pat Bev, and then the rule. I mean, I I don't really care. They'll figure it out in the offseason. But if LeBron isn't himself, this team's not going to be able to to go. And when LeBron is 100% and going, they look different. Also, Danny Green, uh, Caldwell Pope, Quinn cook all you guys make some shots for Braun. I mean, he's getting them, he's driving and getting them wide open looks and they just can't hit. I, I can remember at least like three shots in the last two minutes where either put the Lakers up or put them or um, tie the game or pull them within one and wide open shots. They just miss. I know it's the NBA people miss, but at a point I know Braun just gets tired and frustrated. Like, look, what more can I do? Um, they have to get Iggy. That's that's all it comes down to. They have to get Andre Iguodala. He was the one with the Warriors that could hit a big three for you, could hit a big shot. He wasn't a great three-point shooter, but it seemed like whenever you needed a big one, Iggy was there for you. And I think Brown would trust get, passing the ball off to Iggy in the corner for a three versus Caldwell Pope or Quinn Cook or uh, or Danny Green. It's just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem like it's working. Uh, the Clippers, on the other hand, I think they're set. They have their formula. They're going to rest Kawhi. They're going to rest PG. They're going to pick their spots. And then everybody's going to be full go in the playoffs. And we saw this formula work for the Raptors last year. And now Kawhi's on a better team with the Clippers. I still think the Lakers are coming out of the West. But now with the 2-0 over the Lakers, I know it was the first game of the season and Christmas. The next time we see them is MLK uh, Day. That is the game that I'm actually keyed in on because – if the Clippers go up three, okay, so the Lakers don't want to don't want to lose three to the Clippers in the regular season. I do I will change my pick of Clippers going to the NBA Finals. Because at that point, we're now another month into the season. We've now had a real sample size of three games and they've been able to produce on a high level each and every time. And Kawhi has come out on top over LeBron. So for the Clippers and Lakers, the Lakers have to win on MLK Day to just prove that this is going to be a competitive series because right now the Clippers do look like they're dominating, but again, it's still early in the season. And like you said, Micah, I a hundred percent want to see this in, in uh, the Western conference finals. I would love if we had the reseeding this year, we can potentially get the battle of LA just as the NBA finals itself, but it's definitely going to um, definitely going to be a fun playoffs in both the Eastern and Western um, Western conference. But I think that's enough NBA for this episode, moving on to college football, we'll start with Clemson and Ohio State. Michael, what are your thoughts on that game?
1: Oof.
0: Finally, we're here, bro. College Um,
1: man. I mean, where did it really begin? Like, with this matchup. This matchup, I honestly think, and, like, it's weird for me because I feel like, I feel like both are going to be, like, offensive, like, Slaughterhouse like type things. Like I, I really don't and mind you, all four of these teams have defenses that were good enough to get them to this point. Well the offensive firepower on every single team is ridiculous. Like it's honestly ridiculous. And all these teams I feel like have gotten to a point at the season where they were tested and they're ready for this. Um the, the distinction I wanna see about all the teams. Is quarterback play. I wanna see which one of these quarterbacks is legit. I want to see which one of these quarterbacks is gonna take that step and be the game changer. Um betting man, I would take Trevor Lawrence and the Clemson Tigers over the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yes, Ohio State's defense is disgusting, but they also play in the Big Ten, bro, and I'm not gonna lie. I'm really not gonna lie. They have not seen a team like Clemson yet. Um and I guess to say I guess to go the other way, Clemson seemed like Ohio State either. But A C C is very weak. Yeah, uh it's it's honestly interesting and that's why I'm I'm kinda like this is the the side of of the outside con- the, the side of the playoffs where it's like, I mean, you got the A C C versus the Big Ten, like anything could kinda go. How's a better man? It's, um Simply put, I think that the offensive weapons on Clemson will be able to outmatch Ohio State's stagnant defense. Yes, we all know Chase and yes, we know Ohio State has great corners. But I think Ohio State's offense will fail them. Um as good as J. K. Dobbins is and as good as Justin Fields is, I see them making enough plays to win the game. Um I can't really give you a score. I know it would be hotly contested. Um, I don't see any blowouts. And, you know, we've kind of seen blowouts happen. Like, I just don't see that happening just because they're seeing this matchup. They're so unfamiliar with each other that I feel like maybe, like, the first couple series and maybe the first quarter and the first half is kind of just going to be a test. You might see some shots. You might see some some trick plays. Um, you might see them try to pull Rabbit out the hat, kind of just to see where they're coming at. And then the second half is going to be full guns blazing. Um, I think both teams get over 30, 35-plus points. And I think, that's like I said, I think whoever's quarterback promote, uh produces them much and doesn't make that bonehead turnover, which quarterbacks do. Uh, I feel like quarterbacks are the smartest and dumbest players on the field because they can just make bonehead decisions sometimes. Whoever's quarterback plays better in this matchup, will be the person that moves on to the next round. I I have to take Clemson on that. Um, And then going on, if I can just keep going, man, going on to Oklahoma versus LSU. Now this, this right here, this is probably going to be my favorite matchup all year, even probably more than the national championship, just because I want to see if Oklahoma is legit. I want to (laughs) see, man, I really want to see if Oklahoma is legit, bro. Um, LSU, they've looked damn near unstoppable, bro. Since I mean, after after beating Bama, I, I just expect them to walk down like on the rest of the on the on the rest of college football, especially in the college football playoff. What LSU has that Oklahoma doesn't, in my opinion, is just the oh my gosh. and, and mind you, Oklahoma definitely has weapons, but oh my goodness. I don't know if there's a way that Oklahoma stops what LSU has been doing on offense, and I don't know if there's a way, and even though they play in the Big 12, I don't know if there's a way that Oklahoma is going to match the output of LSU. Um, In this matchup, you might actually see a blowout. You might, you know, I consider a blowout maybe two or three touchdown game, but man, man, oh man, I just don't really believe in Oklahoma as much as I believe in LSU. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see uh SEC ACC um, championship looking like LSU and Clemson. Clemson finds a way to get there. They have battle tested and they've been getting there. And I don't know if we're going to talk about an SEC representative that's not Bama. It has to be LSU this year. Uh, you know, just, I guess, just knocking them down by pegs. In my opinion, every year Alabama is the best college football team, but when you beat the best team in college football, usually, usually, um, yeah, you win. Um, if I was to give a parallel, and it's a really abstract parallel, so kind of just hang with me here. Um, yeah, I'll talk. You know, it, it's a it's a parallel about Division three football. So basically, what happened was the team that was touted as having the best kind of run going up there faced the team with the most high powered offense, and we kind of saw this thing happen where the most high powered offense just made that thing happen. And they kind of shocked everybody because, first of all, the, out- the, the offensive output was just so grand that even great defense and, you know, the team that got beat, they had stops and everything like that. They just couldn't keep going on because, yes, there would be a, a three and out, and then they would score, 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 and it just kind of kept going. And I don't want to say there's direct parallel between LSU and Oklahoma, but I kind of see this offensive firepower team, especially with the receiver play and the quarterback play being so high. I see LSU, if not winning this game, like, being the national champion, bro, I I could see it happening just because I think beating Mamo holds so much weight over anything else happening in the college football playoff that I think it happens. I I don't know. It's just kind of my gut instinct that i just kind of seen this thing happen with LSU. Joe Burrow has the Heisman. It's just the wheels running on me, man. I just feel like it's their year.
0: Yeah. uh, I wish I could disagree with you here, but I mean, I have the same exact points with uh, Clemson and Ohio State starting their first. I think that people are forgetting that Clemson has won 28 games straight. Mm -hmm. That Clemson embarrassed Alabama last year and we're going off of one game where they beat North Carolina by uh, one point, but they beat Every other team in the ACC by 25 or by 25 plus points. We can't forget. Like, I understand that you had to put them at three because of strength of schedule and who they didn't play, but this team has Trevor Lawrence, who in last year's draft would have been the number one overall number one overall pick. In this year's draft would would have been the number one overall pick, and then it it's going to be the number one overall pick in next year's draft. Mm-hmm. They have ETN out of the backfield who has just been running all over everybody. They have the number one rated defense right now in um, in college football. So there's just so many factors that Clemson has. Ohio State, a great team. They beat Penn State. Uh, they beat Michigan. Uh, they beat Wisconsin twice. They have those, t- those big wins on their record. But Justin Fields isn't 100%. He's going to be wearing a knee brace. And if he's not going to be able to, not going to be able to be mobile, then that Clemson D-line is going to get after him. The secondary isn't giving up much, so he has to be able to extend plays. And if he can't, that's going to be a problem. J.K. Dobbs is really good, but like I said, def- defensive, uh, defensively, Clemson has the number one D-line, um, right, the number two D-line behind Georgia in the country. So they have all these tools and all these weapons, and I just don't see how exactly Ohio State can win. Yeah, Chase Young is going to be – he's going to be a monster. He's going to be able to dominate um, dominate Clemson, and they have to try to find a way to get to Trevor Lawrence and make him uncomfortable. But if Lawrence has time to sit in the pocket, yeah, I think it will be a close game. I think it will be 38-35 type of final, but Clemson is just going to pull out, uh, pull out ahead. And LSU-Oklahoma. Ah. Well, I feel like everybody's been saying to LSU in a blowout that their offense is this and that. And I totally agree. I think their offense is so great, and I don't know what I don't know what about Oklahoma that I really do like and say that they have better because LSU has a better defense. We saw Oklahoma's defense has given up forty plus points multiple times. Um, LSU's offense is better than Oklahoma's offense. So their quarterback play, I'll, I'll take Joe, Joe Burrow over Jalen Hurts, and um, I I don't know, but with Edwards Hilaire being questionable for the game, and game changer. Yeah, that, that changes the LSU offense. And I think Jalen Hurts just being in this situation before, being able to win a national championship, winning SEC championships, he's not going to be phased by this. I think the game is going to be a lot closer than people think. I do believe LSU still wins. Uh, I think LSU wins like 42-35. But I think it's going to be a, a back-and-forth matchup. I, I do believe they're um, they're going to be able to keep it close with, uh, with LSU. And then when it comes to the ch- – National championship game, I'm sticking with Clemson. I don't think Clemson's going to lose. I think it's going to be 30 straight or 31 straight, whatever uh, it's going to be for for Clemson. I just think they're going to keep on winning as long as Trevor Lawrence is there uh, at QB, and I think it continues on to next season too. So Clemson is my pick for the national championship. I think all these games are going to be close. I think we have, we're going to have three national championship games in this college football playoffs with both semifinals being kind of like a de facto national championship game, and then obviously – the national championship game. But before we wrap up, Micah, you talked about you briefly touched on Alabama and I want to talk about them a little bit more. Do you think that with Alabama not being in the playoffs and losing to LSU and the rise of Clemson, do you think that Alabama's dominance over college football is over?
1: Absolutely not. Um every dog has his day, man, and Yes, Alabama had a couple of days this year. <laughs> we'll just feel like, you know, the first time in at least this decade, I I feel like I've been through shoot, um what? End of beginning of middle school, high school, and college, bro, I'm just ew, just this dominance. Like it's 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 ridiculous how how good they've been for so long. Um but part of the reason why they're this dynasty. Is because they recruit so well, bro. And let's not make let's okay, let's make a lot about recruiting, but let's not make too much about recruiting because Miami has four or five star players. And we saw what happened to them oh, yesterday. Man. Oh man. They got they got shut out against a team that they should whooped. Bro. And, yes, LaTeX <laughs> has great players. The quarterback, he's he's a great player. He's a great football player with a lot of heart.
0: But you know, as, as come on, liners, bro. You should never you should never mean, be losing to lot. That's what I'm saying.
1: That's supposed to be the you. Now, the difference between a team like Miami and Bama is the head. Nick Saban will not allow this to happen. He's not jumping ship. He's not taking NFL jobs. He's going to stay right there in Tuscaloosa. He's going to lab this out. And they're going to be back in the college football playoff next year. Without a doubt in my mind. Um, LSU's going to be missing, you know, Joe Barrow. there's <laughs> was like a lot of what's making them great. And of course they're gonna be bringing it back too, but at the end of the day, bro. I was right there with LSU. In my opinion, if there was a six team if there was a well, they they actually got ranked pretty low now that I think about it. But still, I just don't
0: see Alabama for the, the reason this year it fell off too obviously getting hurt. That yeah. was just to worry out everything and the loss to Auburn, but I mean, if tour was healthy and there was a sixteen playoff, Alabama. Oh, would
1: Oh, Alabama it. is in there, and that's kind of what I'm saying.
0: Whatever kind
1: of doubts we have about Alabama football, just wait until the first the first of January, one o'clock, when Alabama goes and beats Michigan by sixty points or fifty <laughs> points, and then we get and call it. You know, oh, this is what Bama does. Why? Why wasn't you know? Oh, this is why we need a, a sixteen playoff because Bama was left out and they're playing teams like Michigan. Bama never fell off. They just were dealt a really bad deck of cards this year. Next year, oh my goodness. They're I just they're more than ready. They're gonna they're gonna do what Bama does. And I don't know, man. This is not the end of Bama. It's not gonna go down in flames like the U has or like Florida State has, man. They retool, and maybe unlike any other team, they just just sheer dominance is always gonna get them to where they need to be. So Bama will never be done.
0: Uh, I, I don't think Bama is going to be done like the U or Florida State. But I also don't believe that Bama is going to be able to have a hold over college football like they did in the last 10 years. Um, the way Clemson has risen, and if Clemson wins this year, that's now three of the last four. And, I mean, you can make a case for four of the last four, the one that they lost um, with Deshaun Watson uh, before he won. That that is just almost dominance of Dabble Sweeney over Nick Saban for going over to going this next year. That'll be half a decade. Um, and now Ed Ogeron is starting with his recruiting. We saw what happened after the LSU Alabama game. LSU players went to the Alabama mm-hmm. recruiting section and they said, "Look, if you want to win, you come to LSU. It's it's not about Bama anymore. You come to LSU." And your points are definitely right with Joe Bur- Burrow being gone, and I mean he is the like the main reason why that LSU offense is able to go. And I don't know what Coach Owens going to be able to do recruiting wise, getting somebody else into the building, uh, quarterback wise. We have to watch and see. One thing I am kind of concerned about is Alabama's defense wasn't crazy this year. Um, oh no, a lot of a lot of they ha- games yeah. that yeah. Yes, yeah, A lot of games that they were scored on. Yes, they had injuries, and yes, people will be back next year, but they're also... The thing about Alabama, you lose a lot of people to the draft each and every year, and yeah, recruiting is going to be good here and there, and they always have a top three recruiting class, but I don't know who quarterback next year is going to be. I don't know if he, I can... You can 100% trust him. I mean, yeah, Nick Saban has done it a lot without... Done one a lot without QBs. It wasn't until we got uh, Jalen and Tua before he finally got some semblance of real QB play that could carry a team to a championship. But I think Alabama's dominance of like the past ten years, where going into the year they're like, yeah, they're probably the number one team and they'll probably win the national championship. I think that's done. Alabama being done as a top tier program, no shot they'll be back next year. Uh, they'll be fighting uh, LSU in Death Valley for who's going to be in that college football playoff once again. But I don't think they have a stranglehold over college football. And I think it's amazing that we have this now. We have three teams uh, this year where you could make a case that, look, this team can win the national championship. And years before we couldn't, we didn't have that BCS time. It was always going to be uh Alabama's probably going to win. Now we have, it's it's different. It's, it feels different now that college football um, has multiple teams that can win and it makes it a lot more fun. So I definitely think that college football is in a great spot, but, <laughs> don't sleep on Nick Saban. He's going to have a, a big chip on his shoulder next year. And he's definitely going to be able to be go out to try to prove to everybody that he is still the top dog um, in college football. But I think that's going to wrap up this episode, Micah. Uh, it was a fun one. We covered a lot. We'll be back sometime next week. Um, we'll definitely have, if not an episode before the first, like we said, starting on the first, a daily episode. Every single day we'll be producing content each and every day, trying to go 365 um, next year. But for Mike and for Micah, we'll see you on the next episode. Peace.